Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Flamon is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic book shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Flame On. I'm Brian, and I'm here with a smaller cast today. Oh, we're tiny. Intimate. Travel mm. size. Y'all, both of those are good. So, uh, as you've heard, we have Jeff and Oral. Hi. Hello. And we are here to talk about probably the most exciting and um, water cooler moment generating show of the last few months specifically for nerds the i nerds. mean that's true I've well it's 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 crossed yes it's crossed over you could be a fan of the uh, sci-fi you could be a fan of westerns and both of which would you could be a, fi- a, a fan of philosophy and have a field and, day with this show comparative religions if you want that's true uh we're talking about westworld now we talked about this on the show before uh, i would refer you back several episodes it was a main cast recording believe it was in october yes it was in october it was after october, the hurricane yeah after the hurricane october main cash recording Damn hurricane that Damn did absolutely hurricane. nothing except stop us from going to atlanta uh so in in and truth in advertising or truth in lending whatever we were reached out to by some of the creative marketing people for westworld to help uh, advertise and share the word about the show and they specifically invited us to attend a panel up in Atlanta and a screening, and then also go to their VR thing in New York Comic Con. And meet an effing astronaut. It's true. So uh, they have sent us things. I think, Oral, you got to see the show before it was released. Yeah, and it was keeping my mouth shut was actually simpler than normal. Uh, because I'm just like, I don't want to ruin anything for anyone. Right. I just, I'm telling people, Hey, I've seen it. You gotta watch it. Like you gotta watch it. And you told me that. And I was like, I would love to watch it, but I'm in New York for New York comic con. So 
it's tough. But um, the VR experience, I did go at least to the lobby for it. I think I may have talked about this. And they did a really cool job of setting up what you basically kind of experience in episode two. Right, uh, with uh, William walking in and then choosing his hat and uh, general accessories for when he gets to go into the world. And whether or not he would like to have a shag while he's, I don't know, getting ready. Hmm. Slutty yeah. host bots. They're kind of slutty, but that's fine. There, there's nothing wrong. They're with liberated that. hosts. Exactly. That's liberated. right. But no, they're not. They put no, the they're host not. They're in bondage. Uh, so we have had a very sort of uh, uh, not complicated, but but they've been very interested and in very getting very interested in getting the word out specifically through our show. So we're very excited to do that. We obviously and thankful, and yes. thankful certainly, especially after nothing really kind of panned out. Uh, I mean, truth be told. I would have been watching this show no matter what. Well, and that's the thing. Agreed. I, I, honestly, yeah. when they reached out to me, I, I said the same thing. I said, look, we're going to watch this show no matter what. We're going to cover it to some extent no matter what. But we, would, of course, love to get the word out. And uh, I I feel like whatever they've done as a marketing agency and whatever the show creators have done, uh, Lisa Joy and Christopher – not Christopher Nolan. Oh, hell. The other, the other Nolan. Nolan. The, the other Nolan. Uh, the American-sounding Nolan. The one who was in charge of point of a uh, person of interest, and he also was uh, he helped write for a lot of the Nolan movies. Yes, it's his brother, right? Yeah, uh, I'll pull this up while we talk. They have done an amazing job of making sure people are going to watch the show. Yes. I think this is HBO's new Game of Thrones, and they, not the Game of Thrones is gone, but if you're looking for that next thing, I think that's this well, is and, now it. And that's HBO. They realize that Game of Thrones now they've confirmed in the last like the next two half seasons are going to be it. They had to start thinking, what's our next big show? Jonathan Nolan. Jonathan Nolan. Um, so yeah. let's put this out there right now. We're going to – we basically, as of this recording, watched all but the last episode. Yeah. Yes. So no, Episode 9 aired uh, three days ago. So we are putting this out on the Friday prior to the last episode mm-hmm. airing. So we are going to talk about any and everything up through the episode penultimate nine. episode. Uh, a very nice clavier or something like that. A yeah. well-tempered clavier. A, well, a well-tempered clavier. Yeah, which is a a Bach reference. Uh, J.S. Bach. I I love looking up the titles for the episode because it tells you like, hey, this is what this episode is gonna be about. And you know, would you like care to explain? Well. So I, I, I have a feeling. Okay, I can talk to the music side. A well-tempered yeah. clavier. The clavier is the predecessor to the piano. Okay, a well-tempered clavier is a tuned piano. So the tuning that you use to figure out what notes are what frequency—that's a system that's called tuning. Well-tempered was the tuning uh, system they used back in J.S. Bach's era, and you do it with instruments. Yeah, because it's a well-tuned instrument because everything's working according to plan, right? And you're matching the frequencies. So yes, so so very much so metaphorically in this episode. Um, everything does seem to be working according to plan. Whose plan is a whole other thing. Exactly. But let's back up. Let's talk about sort of what, what leads into this show. Then we'll talk about some of the sort of episodes, not episode by episode. We're not going to do that, but sort of the themes that we saw early on, sort of our experiences at the beginning of the show. And then we'll kind of come up through the current. So Westworld, if you don't know, is based off a Michael Crichton movie, not a novel. Although did he do a novel eventually? Okay. He just wrote and directed. The, the screenplay, or yeah, yeah, he did the thing. So Westworld was a movie back in the seventies yes. that was about a 
uh, Android-driven Western sort of theme park. Well, it was one a theme of four. Park. Yeah, they had multiple worlds to inhabit. They had Future World, West World, I think uh, a couple other ones, a Medieval World so, or something so like that. So, random aside, are we expecting there may be some... Well, they had talked about that in the first episode coming out, and there was references to... I forget, like, the name The name of the company was the name Telos. of the whole park. Telos, yeah. Yeah. So, they were like, well, does this mean there's going to be other worlds featured? Who knows? Right. It's a, they didn't... I mean, this is a 10-episode story that... May or may not be pretty self-contained, but we do know they are doing at least another season of this. And Jonathan Nolan has already said, too, that this is in no way a direct – like when they talk about an incident 30 years prior, it's not directly linking the movie. It's making uh, – it's basically an homage to like something going wrong yeah. prior. And, and that's – I really love that because there are so many people who haven't seen uh, the original source material, and, and while it – this is a world built on that foundation. It's like a house. You only want to see the house. Right. Um, the foundation is there, and you're happy that you have a firm and strong foundation. Um, and then if you want to go back and you check out the bones, you check out the bones. But it's it's been a world into itself, and, and that's what I really appreciate about this series. Um, just seeing, like, the twists and the turns, having these, like, greater – like, this time to – to explore the ideas that the original movie may have created or um, even just touched on mm -hmm. in the original movie and how the ideas of what we may have then have completely transformed and changed because, you know, that's, it's what, 50 years later? Not really like 40 plus it's, years. Yeah. Later? It was seventies. So yeah, 40 something. Yeah. yeah. So like seeing, you know, the treatment of, of women or just host in general, mm -hmm. having this uh, idea that no matter, you know, you could make it a gender thing, you can make it a race thing, you mm -hmm. could make it any kind of servitude or lesser role. You could you could easily place a label on that for the host versus the 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 human. And my favorite sort of metaphor gateway into this show is the world of an MMO. Yeah. I see very very often in, in Westworld the show. This, uh, I, these ideas that have come out of online gaming, online role playing games, and how, okay, you have a character enters into this world. You have NPCs you have all NPCs scattered around. NPCs on their loops, doing their kind of pre programmed sort of storylines. As soon as you engage with them, you engage in whatever side quest they have. Final Fantasy XV has just come out, and very much like that, where you can go off and kind of do whatever you want in some ways. It's a lot like that. I mean, this world isn't open-ended in the sense that there's just nothing but like you you eventually hit a wall though they haven't shown that um but it is bounded but there's so much in there you can explore sky sky uh, it's sky a sandbox rim. it's a sandbox yeah, yeah exactly um so that metaphor for me but like you said not it, just that but also there are cheat codes oh no see there's see like every, every the time whole, like match thing i'm like that's really cool why wouldn't you tell people hey if you need to do something really over the top, well, you can also effing do that in Westworld. And then it comes sort of with a sense of privilege in mm -hmm. that not every character, not every person that uses this game gets the same experience. And exactly. obviously there are some people who pay a lot more for it uh, or have that status bestowed on them for what they do that they get those kind of Especially uh, because when you, when you separate it, the only people getting into Westworld, into the park, are the obscenely money. rich. Yeah, of course. Because it costs $40,000 a day for, you know, William and Logan to be there. 
And that, if you go by the timeline theory, was 30 years ago money. It's probably inflated. Men in Black, probably. I mean, Men in Black's a freaking own one of the uh, the shareholders. Well, let's let's talk about those characters in a second. But let's um let's touch on the uh, world itself a little bit. Uh, Western, sort of ambiguously placed. But imagine any cowboys and Indians Western, and it's that. What I still don't know. Trains the whole thing. It's out there, but it looks like it's part of like they've basically have built this complex. I don't know if it's completely isolated in a bubble. I imagine there's some kind of a barrier. Like, like I don't know if it's geodesic dome. They haven't shown any right. sense of that boundary. But, but yeah. they've shown that there's a greater underworld. Yes. And everything kind of peers through it's that. It's like a Disney park or a Universal sort of situation where there is the tunnels underneath and there's the. Control. It's an inverted Olympus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And uh, well, so there's certainly that th- underworld model yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. There's the part that you know when you see them all, like you have the the gods and sort of like the demigods milling around the like the living quarters and the, the and the giant quarters. the view of the overworld itself which mm-hmm. is very um yeah what, the, what was that it's thing clash like, of the titans yeah clash of the titans where you look into that thing so the other thing to say is this world is very self-contained and they don't show the outside world very much but you do realize through little bits and pieces of dialogue that the outer world in this in this universe is They've solved all the problems of scarcity. There's nothing left to dominate anymore. There's no risk. There's it, it, life is abundance, and there's just so much. They've cured all ailments. They've cured and all ailments. It's it's like a, it's like a utopia, and the only thing you can really do to, that that gives you any sense of risk is to come into this this park. Um, so that's the space you're in now. The characters in the very beginning, one of the first characters you're introduced to is Dolores. Uh, Rachel Evan Wood, Evan uh-huh. Rachel Wood, Evan Rachel Wood. Get that and Teddy James. Well, hold on. Uh, One at a time, because I want to get to. I want to give Dolores her due, because I think more so than Teddy, although he's very important. Also, I want you to know that there is a Tandy Newton. Oh, we're getting cheering there. section we're, coming. You're hmm. just gonna. You just hmm. wait for this, because that's gonna be big. So, so Dolores is this um, female NPC, and from the beginning, you know she's an NPC. There's no question. We know what she is, right? And she has her loop. In fact, the show, that first episode, does a real sort of methodical job of demonstrating that sense of uh, Groundhog Day, like just is that loop. Right. Um, and you think kind of, oh, okay, she's this sympathetic ingenue uh, farmer's daughter sort of in this going to town, finding a stray cowboy or whoever. And then she comes back and there's this whole encounter with her family being robbed or – well murdered murdered uh, slash rob slash rape slash no right so ransacked. and and so teddy like you were saying is sort of this character you're introduced to very early on as well uh cyclops um james, james uh, marzen yeah yes uh and like he is no whipping boy well, and, and every it, science fiction it's true. genre known to man when and that's the like they both have the same kind of instruction they're both waking up somewhere but he's coming in through a train and we find out that that's kind of the metaphor for their um their entry into the world the, so though the, there's the hosts which are the the npcs the robots, and yeah. then there's the uh, the uh was the outsider or the guests. uh guests or the the npcs call them so the host call them something else call them uh the um visitors some kind of like uh newcomer or some the newcomers, newcomers. Yeah. okay so basically like the intro, which is only like the first ten minutes, you're led to believe because of how Teddy's entered, like he's a person. He's not a host. He's he's come back to experience Westworld right. and he has this Dolores character that he fraternizes with yep. and like that's the one he comes back to see. 
And then only after their story plays out to sort of a tragic end, do we get to meet a third major focus in this uh, series, the minute, the man in black uh, portrayed by Ed Harris, uh, fabulously portrayed. And he's very much playing this role that is sort of visually uh, symmetric with the Westworld movie, the android that actually goes rogue and starts killing people. Oh, Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner's character, mm, his, right? His character is very arresting. Yes. Like yes. there's when he enters, there's no sense of compassion or he's joy. a force of nature. Yeah, and it he doesn't it doesn't seem like he takes any pleasure and out of anything he does. Yeah, which is you know like he's hollow. And it's funny, like, I, I love seeing that, like, juxtaposition of these beings that we think of as empty because, you know, yes, they have these intricate moving parts, but they have no, like, true animus. They have no soul in our minds. And so, you know, we think of them as, as empty. But, you know, this flesh and blood person is walking around creating these horrific, horrific, like, scenes of carnage. And I mean, basically, the first time we meet him, he ends up. Not they don't portray this, but we think he rapes Dolores. Like he's introduced in a very visceral, terrible way. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the the real kind of example of that is when Teddy starts, tries to fight, uh, fight back, and he shoots at the Man in Black, and basically Ed Harris stands there long enough to say, "This is it's funny. You still don't know, you know, what I am and what you can't do," right. and mm-hmm. then just slowly proceeds to kill him. Yeah, the I think. The thing that got me the most, because, you know, that first time, you know, oh, there's always like thieves trying to wrestle cattle like that. Mm -hmm. That's a part of like the American mythos. Right. But then to see that regardless of whether um, Teddy is there or not, regardless of whether there is like an actual host with them, they murder that family and they rape Dolores. And her mother's yeah. corpse. Yeah. At the end of every evening. At the end yeah. of every evening. And that's that's I think that's what kind of struck a nerve with me, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, even when they're not completely there for people's amusement, we like the the humans, the operators, the like behavioral and and, and the uh, narratives the narrative side mm. don't give a flying fuck about you know, compassion or or some sense of um, civility. Like, well, they they make that point very clearly, and and so this sort of bleeds into the backs the the background or the the control areas, the tunnels, if mm-hmm. you will, where the livestock is kept, where the mm-hmm. livestock is kept, and the the programmers, the behaviorists, the the staff, like they routinely march these automatons around naked. And in fact, there's a scene, I think, in a later episode where one of the techs, it's like, covers up one of the, the andro, the automatons, one of the, yeah. the hosts. And like, they, the guy scolds him for it. Like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? This is a, this is a robot. This is not a person. You right. need to oh, remember that. Yeah. And that's, and that's how they justified his. Was that his, Ford? I was Ford, I believe. It was Ford. That. So Ford is Anthony Hopkins' character. And you clearly get this idea that he has been no, around. It, it was, uh, what's his name? It was the, the younger guy of the two coders. Oh. Uh, Cause it was Tandy Newton, the, the, Asian guy covers up her and then he walks in on her. No, no. I think Ford does it first. Ford does it first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then he comes and he's like, why are you dressing it? Right. Like, so, but, so, and he deep, deep, de- dehumanizes by saying it instead of a, mm-hmm. the male gender or female gender. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
So that's another character is Anthony Hopkins. Like Walt Disney. Walt Disney, uh I don't know if there's another good analog for this, but yeah, very John much John Hammond. Yeah. John Hammond, the, yeah. Um, and he's introduced pretty much along around the same time that um, Jeffrey Wright's character of Bernard is introduced. And Bernard is one of the most senior sort of programmer, behaviorists, however you want to look at it. Um, and, and you see him, I think, dealing with some of the hosts to try to repair them. He seems like he's Ford's day to day handler for handler the, for, for the general running of the park. Right. And, and, and chief like programmer. Because Hand of the king. They, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so the, the, the idea that they've just pushed out a software update that allows these, uh, these hosts to, to, to now have memory uh, of their past lives. Reveries. Reveries, reveries they call like it. Like small little instances, not like actual specific things, but small instances of like, you know, someone touches your hair and your eyes crinkle because it reminds you of something. Yeah, and they have certain uh, body motions, like one woman, like, like rubs the side of her cheek and that triggers a memory in her code of some previous like heartfelt moment. And that all of this is geared towards making them more believable and more representative of what you would expect of a human uh, in this game and to make it more realistic. Um, so, I mean, these are all the sort of characters you get introduced. You get introduced to Teresa, who's like the operations manager of the park, who you find quality out. Quality control. Quality control. You find out as Bernard's like kind of like love interest slash Enemy, frenemy, frenemy. Yeah. Um. There's a character, and I forgot the actress's name, but she was in the the uh, middle. No, not the middle. The um, raising hope. The one who plays Elsie, Bernard's assistant. Yeah, Elsie. Elsie. Yeah, she was also in the the Riches, the oh, Eddie Izzard con artist oh, FX show. About that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of she course. was like the main daughter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I knew she was. Uh, um. And so there's this sort of generic like cop that works for Teresa. So you get. Oh, you mean the Hemsworth? Oh, that's a, that's the Hemsworth. That's the oldest Hemsworth. Oh, I didn't Luke know that. Hemsworth, I believe. I didn't realize that he was yeah. Hemsworth. Okay, that makes sense. Um, All the Hemsworths be working. So you kind of get these sense for these different characters, and then you meet Maeve, Tandy Newton, Tandy Newton, who I had not seen in quite some time. I remember having a huge crush on her during Mission Impossible Two. Is that when she? Because that's I, the first time I ever saw. I don't her. remember where and when and what, but I was like, I knew she looked familiar, and then we talked. Oral and I talked about her uh, specifically being in the show, and I was like, oh, yeah, Tandy Newton. That's right. So Maeve is the uh, – Queen of the fairies. The queen of the fairies, yes, but also in this, the queen of the madam. She's the madam of the uh, the whorehouse in the saloon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the most powerful person in Westworld. She is. She knows all the cheat codes. She's been – okay, so, so what's She nice, got the Game Shark plugged in the back of her. <sighs> nice. What you, you kind of realize over the course of the narrative is that there are some androids that have been around longer than others. And we'll get to like maybe sort of later the uh, sort of end game of that. But uh, I mean, they say, I think flat out on the first episode, that Dolores has been there for 30 years. Dolores she's, is one of the oldest. Yeah, she's. I think one she of was. The, the original. But yeah. Maeve has also, I think, been around for quite a long time. And Maeve has this very amazing sense of droll kind of like ennui about everything and, and she experienced from the beginning. Right. You know she's not really satisfied with her place. And over the course of the nine episodes, you kind of start to understand that she has been 
and, and all the, the androids have been used in different storylines. And, and a lot of those, I mean, most of those have been victimized. Yeah. yeah. Because either they've been raped or used for people's pleasure or shot up in a, in a, uh, a robbery or, or whatever. Or like Dolores's father, the original father at the first episode before he gets decommissioned, they, they find out he was a part of uh, a cannibal cult storyline. Uh, previously, and he actually starts quoting lines from when he was that character. Yeah, that's right, like Shakespeare. It's like God, they really went through all sorts of different stories in in the past thirty years. So you get the sense of these people being recycled, and then again, this feeding into this idea that they've been recycled, so they know they've they've experienced these other other lives, these past lives, and unlike humanity, where we have this sense of memory that's sort of fleeting and all that. These people, these these hosts, they relive their past lives. Well, and but as far as Ford knew or anybody else knew, when they wiped them, they were erasing right. or they were basically taking all the memories that they were using and kind of putting them in a a back office mode in their memories so they won't access them. Like an archive. Yeah, yeah like an archive. Mm-hmm. And and they're finding out from the first episode on that that's not entirely true. And and it wasn't until I think I'd seen them go through their um, their past iterations, uh, a couple of times that I realized they're like it's PTSD. Mm-hmm. Like, it's never a happy memory. Oh no! It's always something brutal. Um, and Maves is one of the worst because, like, in my mind, she's out. She's a homesteader. She's like nobody's around, and then Ed Harris just fucking shows up and just decimates her life. And, and, uh, we know that, like, she's had problems before. And we can, I think we're left to assume that this happened before the, the reveries. Right. So, like, you know, when she's commits suicide, it's like, oh, some reason she just remembers the death of her child. Let's just wipe her clean. And, you know, I, I think as much as I love Dolores and I love how far she's come, because we see a lot of Westworld through her eyes. For me, Maeve is that defining character. Because she has she, so much more agency. Yeah. Yes. It's self, she has self-determination. Yeah. I was just about to say that. She decided that the way I've been treated um, and the way that I have been limited is unacceptable. And I'm going to rewrite the rule. Right. And when she does that and she, you know, uses what she's been programmed to do and what she's learned to do now that she's been aware of this like other world, um, how she manipulates people is just an amazing thing for me. Like yeah. I just, I love her. Absolutely her story her. more so than Dolores and certainly more than Teddy's so far. Like it demonstrates some of the beginnings of the philosophical and religious themes. And one of those is Samsara where there's this sort of sorrowful, like just cyclic thing that they're dealing with in their life, rebirth, death, rebirth, death, where they're sort of stuck in that one karmic level. Mm -hmm. And Maeve is one of the first characters to sort of step out, see this larger system and sort of – And call it what it is, bullshit. Right. And then start to actually 
chart her way out of that narrative, both literally and figuratively. And some of the best moments later in the series are when she is given these powers from these those two coders you were talking about, uh, from one of them anyway. Felix is my husband. Oh, I love like him, him so. He's, he's very sympathetic. I mean, that whole thing with the bird was, was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, gives her the powers of, of narrative. So whereas before only the programmers and, like, Ford could – sort of redirect the narrative mid stream, like, mm-hmm. you know, make changes. Now suddenly she can walk around her, her, her part of the park and basically direct everyone around her to do things by talking about them as the storyteller, as, as that third person. And that was another thing that like that sense of playing with the idea of story and narrative and, and, and the, the sort of cool, like metaphor of, 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 of storytelling through this 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 uh, this this world that was also kind of another nice layer of uh, kind of a meta fictional layer that I really thought was cool. No, I was about to say it's very meta yeah. because yeah. you know she is a part of the story, realizes that you know there is a screen, there is a reader, there are these players, and so she herself becomes that, but still plays the game. Yeah. Right. Um, and like later, actually in this most recent, and I know we're jumping forward, but no, it's only for a point. Um, in this most recent episode where Bernard is, is doing a diagnostic on her and seeing her look around and then go into that sort of head cocked, glazed, almost chobit sort of look, um, and being able to lie to him. But you could tell too that during that scene, like Bernard, his res- the responses he was getting, he knew something was up. Well, he was watching the the, the diagnostic on his thing, going, right? As she was responding, no way this and makes- finding all sorts of new pathways. Because I think that was in a previous episode that was really cool when she started to realize how much how limited she was based on her programming. It showed the conversation chain as mm-hmm. she was constructing sentences, yes. like. Here you say this word. These are the four choices you have to continue on in the sentence. You chose this word. Here's right. the next one. Which, from a software development perspective, just I'll talk as the nerdy programmer here. That was really a cool thing. Yeah, there's a lot of this show that's dealing with AI and sort of the story storytelling and uh, dialogue trees. That is really cool. From like having had to build those things in games or in simulations, like that's cool to see this part of this this narrative world. Yeah. But what I love about Mave is. I think that moment for her of self-reflection is really when she can see her own programming and then actually tries to like modify the parameters herself. Like they give her the little diagnostic uh, tablet thing and she gets to mess with her own little stats. Yeah. You know, that's mm-hmm. one of those moments of it's sort of it's self-actualization. And again, it's that sort of metaphor of you're stuck in this circle of karma and you suddenly now take that next step to come out of there and go to that next level. Um, I was thinking it when I was seeing that this most recent episode, sort of a Gnostic sort of idea where you have like the universe that's a lie, which is the simulated world, and then you have the outer universe. Mm-hmm. But but another thing, another kind of again, there's so many different ways to look at this. So many so many thousand faces for this hero. The uh, Orphic idea where you're kind of descending into the underworld, Maeve very much so goes into the underworld, literally goes below. Man, 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 that's a hell of a way to get there. We're going to burn ourselves down. Burn ourselves down. Stab me and let's be riddled with bullets like Bonnie and Clyde. By the way, we're going to fuck as we're burning because, you know, know. may as well. 
I mean, and I don't know who plays that. So we haven't mentioned that character. I don't remember his name. Who? But he's uh, Paolo from Lost. Oh, that's and he, he was also Xerxes from 300. Okay, okay, okay. You see like, it at all, aren't you? I didn't you? know. I knew Again, I know where he's from. So, like, that character is really cool in his sort of outlaw posse. He's got the exact costume of Yul Brenner. The jacket, like, the oh, button does he? patterning. It's black. It's all black. And I think oh. Yul's – and they actually had, like, I think Yul Brenner's uh, outline had a cameo in one of the previous episodes it, when they were down in cold storage. Yeah, in the lower level. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that button across getup that the, uh, the, the bandit has is like the Yul Brenner jacket. Yeah, so that's another character who Maeve recognizes as sort of a kindred spirit and who would be willing to break out of their programming. And that whole moment when she's like, I can open the safe for you and show you what's in it, and this will be the thing that proves that I know what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm kind of elevated, and they just open the safe and there's nothing in there. And that, that whole moment is really kind of important and huge for you, this character. You watch the host's heart break Oh, as he yeah. questions his reality. Which those moments – so one of the things about this show that's also really cool is the actors get to do a lot of different things with their characters, both like you know playing this sort of somewhat robotic, but usually they're pretty whatever. But there's they a, have those a, different modes they go There's into. a term for it, the, the something mind. Di- Basically, like they're their their self bicameral? Their, bicameral mind. Okay. So as soon as they go into robot mode, right, they're them. But they're a cold version of them. Right. And so that's kind of a neat turn that the, the programmers are using as a diagnostic tool. Like, okay, strip off all the bullshit. I don't need to pretend you're a human. Show me just your thought process as it's breaking down. So, like, that's a cool, like, reveal. And the, and for the actors, they get to play, like, two different versions of their character, kind of. Um, and then Dolores, back to her story. I mean, she's obviously kind of coming unstuck in time to some extent, at least in the, her memory, which mm-hmm. sort of – they relive – the same horrors over and over again. And yeah. it sort of plays into the theory I think you mentioned way back when we first talked about the show that um, William, that's in the second episode you're introduced to William, and, and Logan's the, the brother-in-law, future brother-in-law. Yes. Future brother, who's also like, oh as, as much as I have railed against the, you know, how we are watching the story, this fiction about these horrible things, and it entertains us, mm-hmm. and it's like this like horrific but gorgeous coliseum type mm-hmm. scenario as much as i have said you know what does this you know us enjoying this seeing these you know poor creatures be ripped asunder by terrible people i know i would be logan hands down yeah like that's who i would so be. logan is very much the prototype like black hat yes. and we've seen the man in black be very much this ultimate uber black hat but logan's sort of like that entry level no i liked so when i was playing like old republic i want to be sith and just murder people like that, i just that came here to fuck a warm body and kill some people that's yeah. pretty much the only reason why I showed and he's up. partnered with this guy who will eventually i guess be his brother-in-law william who's this very naive sort of softer white hat both like figuratively, figuratively and literally and he's the one who you see his storyline kind of intersect with dolores fairly early and leads to Dolores sort of questioning things and, and he sort of starts Well, like to they, they meet up at that very fortuitous moment where at where least Teddy in- had met before. Right. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, like, and it seems like that's the clever editing part where it makes you, it makes it seem like Dolores has been questioning her reality and she also happens to meet up with William and go on this adventure as she's starting to question her reality. And all along with this, they're also intercutting what we think is Bernard secretly interviewing Dolores and sort of trying to push her a little further. Right, and basically like maybe taking some of the safeguards off to some of the thoughts that she's having and, and let her had pursue I them. read my notes again, I would have gotten there first, God well, so damn it! The theory you put out there that had been put out fairly early on in the show is that William isn't in the contemporary timeline but is in fact 20, 30 years past – the now man in black, uh, uh, who do we know his name at all? No, they haven't said no. it yet. They've okay. avoided saying it. They keep calling him sir yeah. and things like that to avoid so the you. reveal. Yeah, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh no, he's a VIP. He can do whatever he wants. Right. So, so only in this penultimate episode do we finally kind of get the sense, even if they're not the same person, though I think they're the same fucking. Mostly person. certain they are. That that is in a past time frame because. There's a very pivotal scene you see with Dolores, and she is gutted, uh, open, and you see that she is internally very um, robotic. Mechanical. She Whereas got the robot part. In the modern story, she is a little more like the rest of the people, where her internal organs are like sort of like print printed, like you know, three D printed plastic mm. something or other. S- somebody blood. pointed out it was like Westworld is the world's longest ad for milk. Because all the white goop that they make, and then there was that scene with the one host going nuts and drinking milk, and they, the reviewer I heard said it was a very reminiscent thing. Like, like since they're made of white goop stuff, it's like, was he trying to put himself back together by drinking so much milk? Oh, that's gross. It, it has a good effect, though. It's a very visually it's very visual. arresting Well, remember the thing. androids and Alien also have sort of a white, milky internal it substance. Just, they just melt you. But I, what I think is really cool, and the opening credits do this, and then you see it throughout the show, is they're very much taking that 3D printing visual mm-hmm. that you see the, the, the arms sort of drawing and, and designing and printing these organs. And, like, that's very timely, of course, because that's sort of a huge thing right now. But, yeah. um Anyway, so you, you do get now finally in this ninth episode, and you've got a lot of the hints throughout that there is sort of this multiple timeline thing. And so much so that with the reveal that Bernard is actually a host, which first I knew, yeah. I knew people would be hosts that were in the support facility. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who they would do. And again, people were but, calling that shit by episode two. They see, saying Bernard. I will yeah. I will say this. The reason why I didn't think that Bernard was a host and why I was surprised is that he had already been to the cabin where we see, like, the host version uh, of Ford as a child right. and his family. Um, and so I thought, oh, wow. Like, no, like, he 
he is a real person. That and up until that point, everything that we had seen um, on Westworld is like, whatever happens in the park can't be trusted. Anything happens on the like on the, the operation side, side right. is, 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 is real. Is, is real. And having that like conversation with Gina Torres, Gina Torres, I'm just like, yes, Gina Torres is there, and they're you know their child died, and that's terrible. And then my friend, uh, when they talk about the death of his child for like the second time, he's like, wait a minute, what did his child die of? I'm like, oh crap. But yes, I, I totally get that he's a host. And then the last episode ups the ante even more. Not only is he a host. But he's an exact copy of the original partner of Tom Ford. Tom Ford? Robert Ford? Robert Ford. Robert Ford. Um, Tom Ford. The designer? Yes. And the director now? Uh, The original uh, Arnold. Uh, Which the the big thing somebody used as evidence was that if you do an anagram for Bernard Shaw, whatever I think his full name is, it said Arnold and then Arnold Weber or something like that. And they've never said Arnold's last name. Right. But they were like – Hey, it's an anagram, and you know you well, can make this sense though. Bernard Shaw, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that does kind of that's an interesting sort of way to work it out. And I don't know if that's how they came from it, but you know. no, but it would be it would be interesting if like oh yeah, by the way, this was this was actually the plan all along. So but, so what's really cool though is that narrative reveal that all these back these clips we've seen of of we thought Bernard and Dolores are now really actually Arnold and Dolores. Right. And that would also I explain had it in my notes. Cuz that was the thing I as know. you're watching these episodes, she's going down in these secret meetings per the editing of the episode right. when she should be asleep by a campfire right. next to William. Mm-hmm. I was like, how is that happening? Well, but they also show the host routinely being taken out of service, brought but up. Still. So they, they, they established that early on that that's not uncommon and that's sort of transparent to the host. But still, we would like She's right next to a host. Right. I'm, I'm sorry, a guest. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't pull her out. So, like, now we know, like, there are rules, this and the other. My thing is, how the fuck, how the fuck can Ford get away with making a exact copy of his, like, his working partner? Yeah, was nobody alive back then? Nobody? Nobody, nobody? noticed? It's not been that long. There are pictures. Well, pictures. Well, they haven't said the way that Arnold died, but they did reveal kind of that Dolores seems to have kind of gone crazy early on. And there's that whole team that seems to be working around Ford. How much do you want to bet that she basically took a lot of them out and may have only ever left Ford? Well, and I think and maybe Ford had some part to play in that. After this most recent episode, and I got to go back and see where they actually talk about it, they basically said that the incident happened. Before the park officially opened. Right, because it was in that little small town they showed right. Dolores going yeah. to, and they're showing them how to dance. They're doing this like but then, beta testing thing. But then I question the order of that event because I thought the way they made it sound that Teddy wasn't part of the original group. Teddy came later. Like Teddy was introduced mm-hmm. after that. But and Teddy it, has that flashback of show it, killing all those people. Right. So it was like, was Teddy part of the original incident? See, I don't I don't think so. But my thing is, is that like there has to have been someone. Someone like who saw you know, Arnold? Yeah, who saw Arnold? So when you know Bernard shows up, like it just doesn't like. I'm not that person who like harps on one thing. You know I'm no, not. No, no, no. But I, I see your problem. But I need somebody to walk me through this because I don't see it. Well, so ultimately, it's I've, like a magic eye. Okay, <laughs> like, I'm just like what? Oh, oh dinosaur. So, so like so, so okay. So the most recent episode, uh, the end of it, the whole progress of the episode is uh. 
Arnold Bernard Bernarnold Bernarnold is is getting his memories unlocked by force. Like right. he's he's gotten one of the the renegade hosts. Well, that, because Ford basically made him kill Teresa. Well, and he's and he's made him forget all who knows how much and stuff prior things to that. And then yeah, and then Elsie as well, right? Yeah. So like, so he's on. He's like no. Though they still haven't anything. showed Elsie being killed. They just show her being you know put in a chokehold. Well, but they also found her body. No, they didn't. He got he got uh what's his name the Hemsworth got grabbed by the Indians they they found her tracking device oh I thought they had found her body no okay oh no she did do you think she did I say you she did I mean it's possible but you know that whole rule from Lost if the character doesn't die on screen they probably aren't dead sure unless you're Cyclops well yeah then you're definitely That's dead not Lost yeah um but yeah so so but the end of the episode uh you find out that that. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Anthony Hopkins is ahead of everybody, and he's always in control. And he ends up uh, telling Bernard to blow his own brains out. Yep. As soon as that happened, I thought, wouldn't it be nice if somehow Arnold has his own version of his personality uploaded somewhere in the back code, and they can actually put that into the now empty Bernard body? So Bernard becomes Arnold again. I mean, you do in the preview, and who knows? This is editing. You do hear Arnold slash Bernard. Oh, say the say the phrase, say, say the Shakespeare phrase. Yeah. So, like, I don't think I want to write out Jeffrey Wright just yet. Plus, I mean, flashbacks and all that. But I, no, I have a no, feeling you once, yeah. once. And, and I'm sorry. It continues. No, no. I just, I, I would, I would hazard a guess that he's not dead. Well, and he's not. Uh, he might be out of commission or whatever. But like, there's there's ways around that to bring mm. that character in. Right. Well, um. That first big, like, shootout in the first episode where we see, like, all these people dying and dropping dead and just, like, how brutally and, like, horrifically they are murdered Oh, and that's mangled. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're and, right. And then they come back the next episode and they're playing, like, Black Hole Sun but they never on have, the player piano. They never it doesn't have matter. They never shown, though, what the, the host healing procedure is because they oh. show, like, the bodies piled all in the room and they kind of get them washed down. But they and never they actually them down. Yeah, but they never actually show how they plug the holes and throw them back out there. Well, I think that's what the the butchers are for the techs, mm. um, where they kind of like just stitch them back together. Or like that laser gun that mm-hmm. closed up the guy's slit throat. Oh, that's that so was, brutal. Yeah. Oh, I love that scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course. So, so some of the things that are kind of like loose ends before the the finale. Maeve is building an army because she wants to get. GTFO of Westworld uh, altogether. And so she's sort of collecting people to help her with that. Um, the maze. Dolores is in this thing that they're calling the maze, but really it sounds like it's just this sort of memory path to enlightenment. Again, it's sort mm-hmm. of wandering. The, they even have a fucking minotaur. I mean, that was the oh, moment I, where I was like, oh my God, you even have a fucking minotaur. Because what, like, right. what self respecting. Labyrinth. I was gonna say if you're gonna call it a if you're gonna call it a maze, then you know call it a damn labyrinth. Oh then. no, yeah. no, it was like maze plus minotaur equals labyrinth. There you go, Greek mythology. Yeah. So well, and again, there's a lot of that. So the um, you have Dolores kind of confronting her past. Or well, the man in black the is on the same quest in the maze, uh, which will be interesting now that we basically understand that the man in black was William. And we don't. We don't officially. Don't know we that. Never. This show has taught me. Yeah. Never claim anything. I know. But as fact, until you have the receipts in your hand. It's Logan. It's the other guy. 
No, because know. then they have William have that freaking psychotic break and killed all the hosts. Well, in that and, scene. Okay, and then the preview for the the tenth episode, they also show William wearing a black shirt for the first time, and they're like, okay, so come on, is that another red herring? I, I think it's well, but like you said, don't assume. Um, I do also. Uh, oh, so so we know all that's happening. The board of this company is becoming involved. To, they're trying to oust they're Anthony to Hopkins' oust character, and they're sort of failing at every turn. But apparently now, with uh, the Man in Black sign-off, they have all the votes they need to just give him the boot. Right. Except that, I mean, again, he's probably aware that that's happening. He's doing everything in his power to keep that. Um, so all these pieces are going to play and it seems like all these kind of storylines are converging to some extent, but they are going to do a second season. We know that. So I'm sure they're not going to wrap up everything with a nice little bow. Uh, I don't know if the Maeve storyline is kind of possibly one of those things that they, so, so one thing that, uh, Pat actually pulled up a cracked article earlier, mm-hmm. there was some drama in the production. We do know that there was some, oh, in making the pilot stall and, the, the, make, the making of the pilot took years. Right. Recasting, and reshooting, the all sorts of stuff. The first episode and the second episode are very different episodes. Both you could almost yeah. see as acting as pilots. Yeah. So w- you wonder how much of this was happy accidents that they capitalized on later. Yeah. How much of this was, oh, we think we're going to get a second season, so let's take this storyline and do a little bit more with it. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen during the course of a story, of storytelling. Um, that we'll see how they play out. Um, but I'm curious to see what that next big twist is before the finale, because you know, there'll be at least one thing maybe at the end. That's kind of the, Oh my God, what's next? You know, of course, they'll have to wait at least a year to see, see another episode to find out. But, uh, I mean, I think Maeve's story potentially could be the next thing. See, and that's the thing. Like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast about how, you know, the the plan is always kind of going as opposed to like Ford's always been in control. But I wonder if Ford being distracted by the board issue and by Bernard's issue has allowed Maeve to get as far as she's gotten. Mm -hmm. Where that – because, you know, everybody supposedly has the back door. So apparently Maeve still has the back door to her programming that could still give Ford control. See, Unless she's closed it, and and that's so I I don't like to speculate, but what I think is is that the only person let me back up since no one knew that Bernard was Arnold, I'll give you that, um, and that he was one of Ford's special um hosts mm-hmm. that um other people couldn't control like when, when he tried to control like host Ford and what, whatnot, um, he has the power of narrative and other people do as well. But I think, I think because Maeve could control Bernard, right. She can no longer be controlled. Yeah. Okay. So basically she's the, transcended that sort of demigod level. Exactly. And she, I think she closed her back door. I mean, I was going to avoid back off your brother and talk about how, you know, we have, you know, this this woman of color who is, you know, risen above all the bullshit like oppression Mm -hmm. and reached a status where like literally white people can't tell her what to do anymore. And I think I think she's white. Well, you know what I mean? (laughs) You know what I mean. Wait. What? What? Huh? She's white. What? White people can't tell the dude. She's obviously white now. 
So like, thanks Trump. I think. <laughs> I I I think it would be really cool for that moment where they see each other because really, the man in black is not a threat. No, he wants to, he, he wants to do the game. Yeah, that's yeah. all he cares about. He that's said it. as much. So the basically only, leave me alone. The only threats that we I shouldn't say the only threat. The two big threats that we have this season are Ford and May. Mm-hmm. And so for him to be the one that says, you know, and she freezes, you know, she pauses where she is, afraid to take another step. And she takes that step and realizes that, oh, shit, she's like Promethea, who stole fire from the gods and said, I'm doing my own shit. Like, so you I, think, I want that. You think a good conclusion to it would be in, in some form of like... Anthony Hopkins, in a way, gets overthrown. Maeve kind of installs Bernard as, since nobody else really knows that Bernard is a host, aside from Ford, maybe that Bernard takes over the running of the park. And basically, it's Maeve in control because she controls Bernard. Yeah, and I think that would be super cool. Be interesting if that's where they go. I think she wants out altogether. But she does want, she does want. So even if that's sort of the outcome for the park, one of the things you could explore is this sort of host entity in, a, in the in the quote-unquote real world and that does expand the scope of the show dramatically then your ghost in the shell territory oh, and only oh love it uh so i do want to talk about the music for this show um game of thrones composer ramon uh ramin jwadi is the composer and some of the music is very uh arresting in its uh cultural appropriation because it takes that old western player piano detuned thing going is it black hole sun was in episode one Mm -hmm. uh they've done a a radiohead song they've done oh gosh i heard a couple different ones you can get the soundtrack actually i think if it's not all the way out there's a like a pre thing out but one of my favorite sequences is when they actually orchestrate paint it black ah yeah that was during the the robbery during the robbery oh um they also did yeah that was gorgeous um and then they did Back to Black. Yes, they mm-hmm. did. You're right. They did. So I love that. I love the re, the sort of cultural – well, it's not cultural, but like the anachronisms kind of thing. It made me think back to Bioshock Infinite actually Absolutely. when you see the barbershop quartet singing and a Beach Boys fact, song. the show cre- – I, I want to say – Wait um, a minute. Back uh, to Black, Black Hole Sun, Paint It, Paint black. it black. Paint It Black. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Oh. Uh, it's a motif there. The uh, – the, the, creators of the show were influenced by uh, bioshock yeah uh, i believe nolan had talked about that uh and in some ways and you know if you think about it yeah okay and probably some philosophical ways too but certainly in that you know uh, anachronism so like the production values of the show are high i mean this is one of the reasons the show took a while not only do they have problems figuring it out but like the productions they even said they, it takes a while to shoot and it's very expensive so when they do their second season, it's not even likely it'll be out in 2017. Yeah. This sometime if I have hope. Yeah, I know, I know. Late 2017 would be a lovely thing, but possibly more like 2018. Um, hey, if so. we can wait a year and a half for Sherlock, we can wait. No, and Doctor Who as well can go long distances. Well. I think even The Expanse, a lot of the sci-fi shows were unsurprising unsur- hits. Yeah. So like Expanse, it took an extra long time. Magicians are the same thing. Well, my, um. They're both coming out They're, finally now, and they wrapped the, up the, last year. Yeah, no. Yeah. Wait, was it? No, they, they wrapped up it earlier. Was earlier this, this year. year. Expanse wrapped up before 2016. That one we've been waiting for. Oh, it year. was, but it was towards the end. Yeah. It was like right towards the end. They're like, That's we'll right. be back. 
Because I remember, yeah. um, well, this is totally off topic, but I remember going to Goodwill and listening to iFanboy talk about The Expanse uh, during their multimedia thing mm-hmm. throughout the end of the year. Anyway. Yeah. So um, we love the show, obviously. I mean, I don't think we would have – we don't usually devote too many of these deep dives to shows unless they really are powerful or meaningful. That's what we should call episodes where we start off as microsobes. And they just go a full length. Deep dives. I mean, they're totally deep dives because I mean, we're fixating on this one thing. But um, if you're listening to all this and you haven't watched the show, oh my God, what have you been doing? Well, uh, okay. Last but, question. Uh, what do we think the uh, is at the end of the maze? I think enlightenment. It's, I think it's true autonomy. Yeah. I and think is that he, why? Because somebody made the comment when the man in black was talking about looking for it. I think it was the the woman, the entry woman. It's not she, your game. Yeah, it's not for you. It's not mm-hmm. for you. It's a, basically it's designed for a host to win the maze and not a person. Right. Yeah. Because it's they're going through their memories. It's this whole self discovery thing. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I don't know what they're gonna do with the man in black. Really, like you said, I don't know that he's a big threat. Especially if his but, whole purpose in this, if he was William, was to basically just get there as Dolores is self-actualized and then so he could be with her. It, yeah. No, he he is terrible. Yeah. No, but if, they talk about the barn scene now. They don't really show what happened in the barn. Well, yeah. No, I I think if it's William, that is terrible. Oh, it's terrible. Because oh, he sure. knows that at some point Dolores and maybe possibly other ones are self-aware. And what does he do? Kills them all. Just literally, I slaughtered them, Padme. I slaughtered them all. Like the what? younglings. I killed the younglings. Well, and he admitted to was it who was he admitting it to? He killed Maeve's daughter and then killed Maeve. Like Fred, but he also was going through a bit of an existential crisis, a little bit of a little bit of ennui. Like he didn't know his purpose. So he was finally just kind of doing whatever he wanted to see if he still could feel it feel it right and he doesn't but that's when he realized that yeah. Maeve. that's when he found the maze yeah was oh, by that's true. was and that was the thing i also was not sure about so was Maeve's cornerstone memory of her child or of her child being killed i don't think that was a cornerstone i think that was clearly a part of Right, but they reality. talk about like the reason why she was able to kind of self-actualize in that brief moment was because of some of if, basically if if the host feels this extreme threat to one of their cornerstone memories, they seem uh-huh. to it was some kind of leftover remnant from Arnold. The way that Ford talked about yeah, it, yeah, I like, don't know then that we know what her cornerstone is, other than no. if she's built that up around herself. Like, yeah, so that's kind of one of those things they do play fast. I and think loose if, with, if it's a cornerstone, it's a cornerstone for the next evolution right. of her being. Yeah. Not the the original impetus. And they can involve okay. like sort of evolve their own thing. You know, those early those early versions of the robots could evolve their own story and that's their cornerstone. But, and then um, all that shit goes off the rails. Yeah. I want more gay people. Oh my god. So this is something I did want to talk to you about. Because remember back when we were reaching out, they were reaching out to us and I was like, Oh, they want they want they were specific. They wanted LGBT representation. <laughs> I've said they're now like, why? Yeah. Well, no. Show me the gay or sort of. Uh, I don't even see any. Elsie. Pariah. Elsie and Pariah. Or Elsie uh, from the first episode. Like, Where she when kisses Clementine, Clementine. When she was down on the thing, and oh, like I as soon as she was alone with that. her, she. But I mean, that was so like. 
disposable. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, I, and I'm not asking this as a crass thing, and I, I, I do just kind of wonder is where's the gay sex? Well, not mm-hmm. where the gay sex. Where's the lesbian sex? Well, there was some in that the the sin sin city in Vegas. Pariah. They did have um some some. Don't gen, know. I, I remember know. where I was at. I'm Logan, and I sat up in Pariah. That's what I do. Nice. But I mean, there was some whatever. But I mean, I just. I wonder if that was something they wanted to explore more and then the story just took them away from that or if that's something they want to maybe do in the future. So, I don't know. Because, you know. uh, look, Logan walked off with female and male hosts. He, he did. What is he from? Ben Barnes. He's been in something else. Like, I haven't I looked have it up, but too. I know he's been in other things that uh, well, I Google enjoyed. That. Yeah. Google that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're what, what else is there really to talk about with the show? I think we've kind of covered the the big broad strokes and some of the um, specifics let's pull personal favorite moments okay. to end the show all right jeff you're first god um ben barnes so you know is yes, an english actor buy some time he is known as uh, Ca- caspian x in the chronicles of narnia that's where he's from he played caspian oh and he was in stardust oh yeah he was in Stardust. And the Punisher somehow. What was he in Stardust? He was... Oh, shit. Young Dunstan Thorne. Hmm. Okay. Pretty young, then. Okay, so I will go, then, if you're still thinking. My I'm favorite still... moment, honestly, I love the reveal of it was Bernard. Dorian Gray. Yeah, but that was like some, like, low rent. Hush, you. Well, it looked like a one of those production companies that makes the non. He's no Stuart Townsend, Dorian Gray. I'll tell you that exactly. much. Uh, I love the moment when Bernard is revealed to be Arnold. I actually was very emotionally moved by that moment. I'm not entirely sure now why, but like that sense of self-actualization that he was going through was really powerful. I also really loved just seeing those moments in Maeve's journey where she really transcended through these these, these levels of reality, and that again, sort of sparked this idea that there's more thematic, like, Gnosticism and all that other stuff. Like, any time a show sort of transcends the sort of rote, boring storylines, like, I, and there's something more mythic to it, that always, you know, gets me going. So those are my favorite moments. In terms of the rote's boring storylines, I love that one scene when uh, William and Dolores finally start, you know, fucking on the train. Sure, I mean, that's... He basically kind of prostrates himself in front of her like i am just a man i have a life but i i feel how i feel with you and i must have that that being said it's a tie for the other scene where the uh storyline author guy pisses on the world that was also a pretty awesome moment that was uh, that was a very i was I like what is he? His oh wow name, he yeah. just pissed on it okay He's that's fantastic a little diva story creator yes oral um i think my favorite i always gravitate towards like bold statements um, but bold statements that come across as really like crass. So um, I think it was in, and I don't speak French, so you're gonna have to forgive me. Trompe l'oeil, like the like the trick of the eye, the mm. illusion one, where uh, Maeve says, uh, "At first I thought you were gods, but then I realized you were men, and I know men." And I'm just like, that is such. Like, uh, like a fuck you to the establishment, to the mm-hmm. status quo. He's like, you know, you, you come across as such like powerful entities, but at your base, 
you are human and I know humans. Like I know you. And Ford even reiterated that on the last episode. He's like, you know, Bernard, I kept telling you, you know, we're, we're humans and we're always going to, we're never trustworthy. We're always going to let you down. Like, yeah, there you go. It's kind of a running theme that the humans are less honorable than the host. And I do love that idea that, that Ford's like, look, consciousness is an illusion, which is actually sort of a valid theory in today's psychology or whatever that realm would be. It's not quite – it's whatever that is. That consciousness is sort of this emergent thing, but there's no real spark. There's no real like soul. There's no real thing outside the body. It's just any system that has that level of complexity will – something will emerge that's sort of its well, consciousness-like like well, thing. And, and that was the thing. Humans, we evolved past the point of having any outside version of a, a way to entice the the you know object of our affection. So we went internal, and we found ways to basically talk them into liking us. And that's why we got consciousness to get that laid. That's to get laid. It's always to get I laid. I was huh? going to use a less sexual no. version. So I was going to no. say, like, you know... Like, Jeff, you're a dad, and I've got to watch my nephew go from, like, infant that's just there, and all it can do is cry, and it can't even articulate why it's crying, to this little being that, you know, can say words back to you, and you realize at some point they stop parroting, Mm -hmm. and they're like, they're telling you, I want this, and they have their own, like, personalities, so when you say... Can uncle get a hug? And they look at you and say no and walk away. You're just like, you son of a bitch. Yep. Yeah, Henry's already at that point. He's already saying stuff. He's already asserting his will. He is. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah. But, uh, so, I mean, Westworld, if you haven't watched it, go watch it. We will be excited to see the next episode, the last episode for a while. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it during our next big monthly recap when that happens. End of the year, I'm sure it'll come back. No, we already you, you already did that. Well, we'll see. So, uh, but yeah, probably not until next year based on our schedule right now. So if you do enjoy Westworld, please let us know what you think. You can either comment on this show on Nerdy Show's website, on SoundCloud. We always love seeing – have you ever used SoundCloud to like put little comments during an episode or during a song? Oh, you can like flag a part that you like. You can like a little comment at a specific time and then you can watch or as you're listening or whatever, you can see the comments. It's really kind of cool. So if you haven't ever done that – YouTube used to do that until they got rid of it. Yeah, YouTube did have a thing for this. So, so please feel free – we love to see any feedback from you guys. Um, if you like what we're doing, you really think it's worth uh, like getting other people into, share us on social media. iTunes, if you still use iTunes or Google uh, Google's version of that, Google Play, you can leave us reviews on there and give us stars. That actually does mean a lot. But just – It's like that episode of Black uh, Mirror where – you star people and you rate them. I haven't seen it yet. You should. Really? I, I need Season to. three of Black Mirror I, is amazing. Oh, I have, man. I have, it's on my list. But that is very helpful for us to get more notoriety, attention. Finally, if you really like us, you like us so much, you want to see this continue for years and years and years, you can actually subscribe on Patreon. Give us money. And say in your subscription, hey, I really like what these guys are doing on Flame On. This money is for them. We're not going to get all the money. We got to share with our network, the Nerdy Show, but that is always something that really it speaks volumes uh, when people earmark that for us. Um, recently, Ron came visit you, I believe, one of our frequent patrons, mm. uh, and he uh, he is uh, I know visited me at work. We're not having sex. Oh, 
That's funny. Hmm. Uh, so he was actually just getting into Westworld, so hopefully he'll check this out and uh, enjoy us talking about him. But uh, yeah, thanks for listening again. Reach us out social media. We're on Flame On Show for, on most things. Flame On Podcast on Twitter. Uh, but uh, we love hearing from you, so please let us know. Wait a minute. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Okay. Here we go. And if you're not getting enough oral in your life, you can totally find me at uh, Stupid Popcast. That's stupid with two O's and Popcast with a P. Or you can find me on our sister podcast, All Queens and Me, also known as Drag is the New Spandex, mm-hmm. uh, where we did a lot this past season so busy we've been so busy but yet you're still not in drag why is that you know what i thought we had a calendar it's gonna okay it's gonna gonna happen don't worry we know what's gonna happen you said you remember the calendar (laughs) also you can also find my reviews for westworld and comic books on sci-fipulse.net that's sci-fipulse.net why because dot nets are still cool and if you like to tweet at people i'm on Flame on Brian at Twitter, on Twitter, on the tweeters, whatever. I don't know. What's I a Twitter? Occasionally. Ugh. Mostly cross posts. I'm still on Vine. Is that you a get, thing? I've been getting. Per, I've Doing been it getting, for the Vine. I've been getting political tweets lately from a friend of ours from college, and oh my God, it's the most engaging Twitter conversations I've had in a while. Is it still 140 characters at a time? Unfortunately, yes. Mm. I don't know why. Best thoughts are made 140 characters at a time. But, uh, but no, our, our regular schedule will resume probably in the new year. I think we have one more episode coming out this year. Because this is coming out on a very special, non-regular uh, release date, so we can get it in for the uh, finale. So uh, again, stay listening, and we'll see you soon. Flame off. Thanks for listening to Flame On, presented by Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, like and follow us on SoundCloud, or give us your feedback at nerdyshow.com/survey. Flame On was created by Brian Pittard and engineered by Pat O'Rourke. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. And be sure to follow Nerdy Show and Flame On on all your favorite social networks. If it's gay and geeky, we've got you covered. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,